And we are live. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I am one of your hosts, Blake Rafino, alongside me, the best Rhode Island long, sna- long snapper mm. in program history, Joe DeLeon. Joe, what's happening today, my man? Not much. I'm excited for uh, for today's show. There's a lot going on in the, the college football landscape. The Ohio State Pro Day was, was making a little noise, and today's the perfect day for that happening. I didn't even realize it lined up because today we've got Chimney Chekwa coming on, former All-American defensive back from, from Ohio State, so I'm excited to get into all that. He is a former All-American at you said you said it right until you you messed up the name of Ohio State. The Ohio State, Ohio State University. I, don't yeah, I mean, apparently, apparently you got to put the like they wanted. To, did you see that they wanted to copyright the word the? the that was maybe we should ask Chimney about that. His thoughts on that because that's yeah. I don't I do remember that it's it, it's a little. It's a little aggressive, you know, like it's like you, you a think little. You, you Have you ever met a Matt word fan that's not aggressive? That's true. That's true. One one of the one of my teammates was an Ohio State fan who was a kicker. And I never stopped hearing about Justin Fields and Ezekiel Elliott and all those guys. It, it gets a little tiresome, but it does. It does. But, you know, if there is a team outside of the SEC that is more like the SEC than anybody else, it it's is Ohio State. State. So. We'll talk about him, and I'm really intrigued to know who their quarterback's going to be. I, yep. Look, I'm not going to make any bones about it. I, I mean, call me Nostradamus, okay, because I've been predicting what the Panthers were going to do for a while now, okay? Call me Nostradamus. Actually, Blake Stradamus. That's what I want to be known as the rest of the show. We'll talk to, well, did we'll you, talk to Chimdy did, about it. Did you see, and I, I want to bring this up with Chimdy, did you see, though, that there's a clip of Frank Reich and – Josh McCown and he said when you get to, to Charlotte or whatever yeah when you move to Charlotte you'll have to find a court is what he said to him and like could not be any more blatant about what what's happening here. oh but I, McC- I think McCown, that as soon as they traded up but McC- was done. B- b- well here's something interesting okay yeah something interesting the Panthers as soon as they sold up to get the number one overall pick also yeah. started to shop it they called they up actually, the, yeah, they they actually. Called, yeah, they called up in Baltimore and said, what happened then? God, no, bum, bum, bum. I can't even sing the song because it's got so many curse words in it. <laughs> but nevertheless, you know, Lamar Jackson's making some waves. We'll see. I, that's not happening. This isn't draft day, right? Like this no. isn't the movie draft day. But we'll talk to Chimney. We'll talk to some uh, Ohio State as well. Also, Nick Saban making more headways today as he was at Alabama's basketball practice after – he is suspended. By the way, by the way, look what you did. Look what you did. No, I know. Stop it. You you try to claim this at the end of the show that that I had something to I do with this when we I, broke the news. Nick Saban has no idea that we that came from our account. I, in those I, comments. I guarantee you, he does. I, unless I hear it from Saban, I'm not. I'm not believing it. What about if I got you got a staffer from Alabama to text you that it's true? Then I think I would believe it. Okay. Well. You better ask the AYS people if that can happen because <laughs> we'll discuss off all air. All I know I... is Italians <laughs> stick together. Okay. All right, but we'll talk Nick Saban. Joe, I'm a little tired of him. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm a little tired of this. What they did today with Nate Oates, him going to the basketball court and practice and doing everything he's doing. I, I, no, I, I'm done. So today, and something that you're going to have to clip. I'm going to give you why, the reason why Alabama's falling. Has nothing to do with Tony Mitchell. Mm. And he deflected. And it's something that Nick does all the time. 
Nick never puts blame on Nick. Ever. He blame he lets everybody else be blamed but himself. We talk about that here tonight and our thoughts around Nick Saban. Joe, did you know? So I I, I put this poll out last season, <clears throat> and I put three teams in this poll. <coughs> Excuse me. Three teams in this poll. A team that gave up 187 rushing yards per game against their three toughest opponents. The teams were Georgia, LSU, and Alabama. Which team gave up 187 yards against It was Alabama. It was Alabama. So Nick better better be worried about something else other than what Nate Oates is doing. Oh, and by the way, you can't use that same verbiage in 2010, 2012, and 2014 and then start blaming Nate Oates. How about that? So we'll talk about Nick Saban as well. So good show. Going to be a really productive show. And our hiya, mosquito. Now you know it is officially spring inside the state of Louisiana when a mosquito flies in front of your face, Joe. That's well, I y'all don't have out there in sunny California. No, no yeah, we, we we we're living we're living really actually I can't even say that the weather right now is good enough to to justify yeah, the new bugs. There. It's it's rained continuously and I'm sick of it enough to to move back. I didn't move all the way out here and I'm not paying the the, the prices that I'm paying for rain 4 days a week. I understand that. I understand that a lot. All right, we got a lot we got to get into, so let's do this, Joe. Let's talk about our good friends over at betonline.ag, but before we do that, everybody on Facebook, do us a favor by hitting the like and share. Share to all of those Facebook groups. Share to all of your social media pages. We've gone over that 500 subscriber mark, a new channel, new show. We're very excited about it, so do us a favor by hitting that subscribe button and notification bell. We are streaming from our good platform and our good friends and our colleagues over at Believe. So if you're at Believe, just go over to Rufino and Joe's show at the end of the show. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and notification bell. And if you're listening to us on the podcast, yeah, something I often forget about the the audio <laughs> sometimes, do us a favor by hitting the like and sh- uh, you know share that as well and rate, review, and subscribe. So let's talk about our good friends over at Bet Online. Joe, I'll give you the floor on Nick Saban. As most Italians are, I'm probably going to be a little long-winded on him. But we'll okay. talk about Nick Saban and Alabama coming out of the break. We will be back in 50 seconds. Stay tuned. Ben Online is the fastest and easiest way for you to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, events, with the first-to-market odds in lines. Find reviews for all the news for each league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, college sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information for live in-game betting props and futures. Head on over to BetOnline today and use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag, betonline.ag. We're back. <laughs> Texas. No, they're not. Football, you're not. So I got ridiculed before the show by a colleague, Josh Fisher from the Charity Stripe. Joe, you want to know my final four in March Madness? You picked Texas. I have Bama, Tennessee, Texas, and UCLA were my final four. Okay? They're all still in it. They're all still in it. So, spare me this, oh, Mr. Blake hates Texas. 
You know, as, as much as you bash Texas, football. I will say this football. football. I actually think that they're going to run the SEC in basketball. Uh, I think that they are going to they are going to put up a huge flight in basketball, though, which is weird because they're not supposed to be a basketball school. They're supposed to be a football school. But considering their success already with an interim head coach, they're going to do some damage. Uh, Cam matter. Rogers says, Blake, when's LSU's basketball game this weekend? It's actually Friday. The women's basketball goes out to Greenville, South Carolina. Women's hoops. Okay. They take on the Utah Utes. So, Cam, shove it, bud. <laughs> <laughs> Joke's on you, you Mai Tai drinking son of a gun. What does he drink? What What's his favorite drink? Screwdriver. The screwdriver. screwdriver. Every, every time he's on an airplane, he's got a different screwdriver. I want a screwdriver. You know, you got to be careful <laughs> when you say I want a screwdriver to certain people in certain parts of the world. Oh, that's all I'm saying. Eric Weinberger also uh, joined us saying, let's go. Chris H has fake A PR stunt by Nick Saban and Alabama. So, Joe, let's start there then. Today, Nick Saban, so if you've missed over the last couple of days, Nick Saban came out and he talked about um, the Tony Mitchell suspension. So, what they don't do and which most media don't do, okay, is they cut out the question asking about Tony Mitchell, in which Nick Saban responded uh, in reference to Tony Mitchell, who was arrested for a quarter uh, or three-quarters amount of a uh, pound of weed, fleeing the police at a high rate of speed of 141 miles per hour, Nick Saban would say there's no such thing as being in the wrong place in the wrong time, which symbolized what Nate Oates had said about Brandon Miller, the Alabama basketball player, a couple of weeks ago. When he was, you know, he was at, on a date with a girl. They were at a Waffle House, I think it was. He goes and brings the the suspect, uh, you know, a handbag, whatever. You pretty much know that story by now. But Nick Saban came out today, and he went to the basketball court, and he started kissing, shaking hands, kissing babies, and shows that, Hey, me and Nate Oates are fine. I didn't mean anything derogatory to it. John, I'm going to give you the first word on this. What do you think about Nick Saban's actions over the last 48 to 72 hours? So I, I think that there's there's two sides to this. One, first of all, I do give Saban credit for holding a young player, an incoming freshman, accountable. No doubt. I think that it it's, it's very important in these situations. And look, I said this when we talked about Georgia and all the arrests that they were dealing with. I really do believe that it is a college head coach's responsibility to help mold and shape the young men that are on his roster, especially the freshmen, especially the young guys that have never been on their own in situations where they can get them own sel their own selves in trouble, but also help themselves succeed. So first of all, that is his responsibility by suspending him. It doesn't show this this or start this precedent with a young player of thinking my talent is going to get me out of situations if I right. do dumb things. That I give him credit for. I don't understand why the hell he would use that wording. The wording of there's no such thing as wrong place, wrong time. Knowing exactly what Nate Oates had said weeks before. Right. That to me was ridiculous because as you pointed out, in the past, Nick Saban has used this phrasing. And then now suddenly it's not applicable because of the basketball coach using that wording in a much more complex and also way worse situation if found guilty for the charges that were potentially presented for 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 Miller in this in this situation. I don't well, want to dive into I don't want to dive into all that. Well, just to just for clarity, sir, we don't yes. get canceled. The 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 district attorney 
said that they will not be bringing charges after okay. all the evidence has been released. So, okay. just, yeah, so, so just so we're all yeah. on the same wavelength on Brandon Miller. Yes. What I was going to finish that point with, and thank you for, for clarifying there, is that for what happened with Brandon Miller, and we now have a little bit more light on that situation, at the time, it was a very, very terrible situation. And I just think that for him to take this dig at the basketball coach, I don't understand it. You know, it's 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 very hypocritical, and it does not fit with the narrative that he should be displaying as the head coach of the University of Alabama. You want your answer? Yeah, I know that you definitely have the answer. Uh, let me give you the answer. In, 2000, in the early 2000s, Cam Robinson, who was a massive pick at, on the offensive line, along with Hootie Jones, were arrested in northern Louisiana for uh, for weapons and drug, uh, drug, charges. drug charges. This is what Saban had to say about them. So we have viewed this as if these guys just do these kinds of things to change their behavior. What does that even mean? I don't even know. He says, and help other people. That's ongoing. We don't, you know, we don't know. I'm like, this is a direct quote, okay? Uh, but they will continue to do that no matter it will be handled internally. That's what Nick said when a certain situation like this happened in the past. Tim Williams also also arrested on drug and gun charges. This was Saban's response. He says, this kind of behavior is not condoned in our program. Once we have com uh, a complete understanding, we'll take uh, internal, uh, we'll handle it internally. Tim Williams was suspended for a half. Cam Robinson and Hootie Jones were never suspended uh, as well. Let me tell you what the classic Nick Saban thing is of all time. He deflects. He's the best yeah. media deflector of all time. When the persona is that his defensive coordinator is not doing not doing his job, not not a good defensive coordinator, and Pete Golding, he just lets it go. He doesn't go to the podium and say, "No, guys, we have a top ten defense, right? Top ten scoring defense, top ten rushing defense, top ten passing defense." He never did that. When Bill O'Brien was getting absolutely eviscerated by guys like I know that you weren't a big Bill O'Brien fan. And others, he never once came out. I didn't and, necessarily ah, say that it wasn't. Play the tape. Play the tape. Play the tape. Anyway, okay. either way, let's take you out of it. Either way, would you admit that Bill O'Brien was eviscerated at times while he was the offensive coordinator at Alabama? Is that fair? Yes. Yes. He was, he he was given a lot of the blame. Nick was not. Nick never once came out and made the statement about how great his offense has been. He always talked about one thing and one thing only. Bryce Young, Bryce Young, Bryce Young. Nick always deflects. So when they lose to a team, he could, he will let the media and everybody on the outside world think it's other coaches besides him. Here's the truth about Nick, and Nick always preaches. I went to a coaches conference one time. Mm -hmm. Nick Saban was the keynote speaker. I'll never forget this as long as I live. His opening statement was how players react off the field is, going, is a co complete – an utter translation of what happens on the field. Well, Nick, I'm so glad that you said that because here's some thoughts, Joe. Saban can take all the shots that he wants at Nate Oates, and he knows what he's saying because 1,000% he is trying to deflect and put off of Tony Mitchell onto Nate Oates in the Brandon Miller situation. And to some extent, I do think that he's trying to help Alabama by saying, look, guys, we do where this isn't a lack of institutional control by the University of Alabama. We have things under control at the University of Alabama. He can take mm -hmm. all those shots, but you know what he hasn't done? 
He hasn't been good in the turnover rate on his own defense. They were 80th in the country in turnover margin. They were 126 in the country in penalties. A very undisciplined team. So, Nick, how are you going to be out in a coaches conference and say the what your kids do off the field directly correlates what's on the field? Well, let's look what's happening right now with at the University of Alabama. Here's the biggest thing for me, Joe. He should not be saying one word about Nate Oates, and he shouldn't be saying wrong place, wrong time. Here's why. The three toughest opponents that the University of Alabama faced last year, arguably and debatably, not fighting over semantics, was LSU, Tennessee, and Ole Miss. I'm old enough to remember when Ole Miss led at halftime against the University of Alabama, 17-14. to 14. Oh, and by the way, they had 191 net rushing yards. Uh, Judkins had 25 carries, 142 gross yards, and two touchdowns. They had 216 gross rushing yards. The sack yardage is what had them at the minus seven. LSU ran for 187 yards rushing. Tennessee had 182 yards rushing. They lost two of those. They lost two of those games. Hey, Nick, instead of worrying about what's going on with Nate Oates and everything that's around you and deflecting, why don't you make sure that your interior defensive line and your defensive linemen and the defense that you ultimately are calling is better than what it is over the last couple of seasons? Joe, here's the truth. One thing that we can say about Kirby, do are guys being arrested at the University of Georgia? Yes. It's not reflecting what they're doing on the field. You know where it is reflecting on the field? Bama. Because how is it that over the last – or the three toughest games that you played, you're giving up 187 yards rushing. Mm-hmm. That, you know is a, this, that is absolutely abysmal. It's terrible. And you know what this is actually – kind of the flip side of the coin here, this is very similar to not in the gravity of it with the arrests, but do you remember last offseason when John Calipari, the head coach of Kentucky, took a dig – at Mark Stoops, the head football coach at, at the University of Kentucky. Football, we're a football school now similar. is what he said. Right. I, I just – like, why why are we doing this, you know? And and the aspect of Nick taking it as far to question – in a way, he is questioning the disciplinary capability of Oates by bringing up this statement, by bringing up his, his moral compass in a way, by using that wording is exactly what he was doing. So it's, it's very hypocritical – to question the, that moral compass of, of especially Oates. when Hootie Jones and Cam Robinson and Tim Williams were arrested for the same things that Tony yeah. Mitchell was arrested for. And by the way, by the way, I, I didn't even bring up Henry Ruggs. Okay. And I'm not going to bring up Henry Ruggs to some extent because Henry Ruggs was not there. He was all, already in Las Vegas, yeah. but the same kind of scenario somewhat happened. High rate of speed. He, he hit somebody. God will, God forbid somebody did pass away. But there's been a lot of disciplinary problems at the University of Alabama. And the truth is, in the chink in Nick Saban's armor at the current moment, whether Bama fans who are going to be, when you clip this, that are going to be in our Twitter mentions, no matter what happens, okay, you can't debate with facts. Joe, the facts of the matter is you can't have a hundred, be 126 in the country in penalties and having things going on outside of your program and not say that there's an issue. Is Nick Saban going to probably win 11 games? More than likely. Yeah, they are. But I do think something, though, about all this to translate into a little bit of football. You ready? Yeah. I had an epiphany today. Have you ever watched the TV series House, MD, with with Hugh Lowry? Yeah, yeah, I've seen episodes of it. So do you remember in the in the TV series when 
he would be trying to diagnose somebody with some crazy disease, and then he would be in the shower, like, brushing his teeth, and somebody would say, hey, House, you're an idiot. And then he would pop up and have an epiphany. Had an epiphany today. You know why? Why? Tommy Reese. It's interesting. Would you say that Tommy Reese's offense is built around running the football? Yes or no? Yes, it is. Extremely. Interesting. So is Georgia's. You know what's also funny, Joe? The two teams that beat the absolute dog manure out of Alabama up front, Tennessee threw, uh, threw for a lot of yards, too. Don't get it twisted. But both LSU and Tennessee ran for 180 yards plus against them. I wonder if Nick Saban sat there in his office and said, man, look, the two teams that really kicked our ass up front really really dominated us in the running game. I had an epiphany. I will tell you that there is some some sourcing and some things going around that he met with Tommy Reese maybe a little bit before their bowl game when maybe he wasn't supposed to before it was reported. Oh. But you know what the funny thing is, is Nick Saban is always out in front of these type of things. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that the charity stripe guys are in here and they're they're yelling at us in the chat about, well, what about Texas? Guys, I know that you lost by a point, okay? But Alabama had 17 penalties, I think, 17 penalties or 15 penalties for over 100 yards. Yes. You're not in this conversation and you didn't run the ball. Oh, and by the way, didn't you have B. John Robinson? Yeah, how did that work out for you? And Sark still sucks. Anyway, I had that epiphany today, though, Joe, the teams that have dominated Alabama over the last two years, Georgia being one of them, ran the ball at a very effective clip. I wonder if Saban looks at that and says, huh, I wonder if we need to go back to a more centric, focused, and simplistic offense and running the football and running it the ball down the hill. Does that make sense? And what do you think about, like, when I had that epiphany, does that does that hit you? No, I adding that context – without really having those numbers, I I think that makes perfect sense. And a lot of times it's a copycat league, as everyone says in the NFL. It's the same case for college football. Whenever there's a trend of certain things that are working, we look at all the best teams in college football, the ones that are winning national championships, the one team that won back-to-back national championships, their bread and butter is dominant along the defensive line and then running the heck out of the football and opening up the rest of your offense through that. And I think that Nick, with what he had with Bill O'Brien, that was a bit more pass-centric. We've got more quarterbacks in this scheme for, for Alabama that are not at all like Bryce Young that are going to allow them to focus on being a more run-centric team plus going and getting an offensive coordinator that is one of the most run-focused in all of college football. Now, I absolutely do believe that it's it's an overreaction league. We always see this when one thing no starts killing teams. Everyone, and that's why Nick has been great. Look, as much as we're, we're giving him a hard time, that's why he's been great, is that he has always adapted without being stubborn enough to say, hey, I realized this kicked my butt. We're going to follow the trend. We're going to lean into it, and we're going to see if it can work for us. And it probably will. They're probably going to be in the playoff this year if, if we're being realistic because of all that. Well, if they're not going to be in the playoff, they're going to be in the same um, position that they were last year in reference to being, I mean, because Joe, I mean, they they're a two loss team to some extent, right? Like it's not it's it's not as if it's not as if that they are, you know, like a really bad team. But you know what else is interesting? You know what else is interesting? When I look, okay, Joe, at like you talk about it being a copycat league. Now we're about to talk 
to an Ohio State guy, right? Yes. I look at, like, Michigan, okay? And when I look at Michigan, they beat Ohio State, right? Well, I also looked at that game today and went back and watched the film. Joe, they had three, 252 yards rushing, 235 of that coming in the second half. You cannot, you can, at this exact moment, now, can I be wrong? Yes. But at this exact moment, you cannot tell me when, like, you look at what the games that I just mentioned with Alabama and Georgia and things like that, you cannot convince me that the, 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 I don't want to say the overall offense, but there's more of a trend from some of the bigger name coaches in the league getting back to the simplistically, the simplistic, simple nature of running the football down the hill. Because when I look at this Michigan and Ohio State box score and I see Donovan Edwards having 22 carries for 216 yards, now did he have that long breakout run of 85 yards? Yes. Sure, but it doesn't yeah. matter. And by the way, Blake Corum only had two carries for six yards in that game. I think that I think it's a bigger thing that we're not talking about around college athletics and around college football that I think we're getting back to what we saw maybe in the early 2010s from from though however spread concepts. Okay, mm. football is very simplistic. It is a very uh, uh, like you said copycat league. But the more and more and more and more that I look at these teams and I see what they're doing in the running game, it only convinces me more. Like when I say, okay, well, how did Florida, as an example, beat Utah? So I went down this like laundry list of notes of, of teams today. There's no way that this team should beat them. Florida beats Utah. They beat them in the running game. Utah beat South Carolina twice. Well, you know what Utah did twice? They dominated them up front and in the running game. I think that you look at – all these coaches and all of them talk. And I just sit here and say, you know what? They're going back to 2010, Trent Richardson. <laughs> I, I, Honestly, I mean, yeah, I know what you're trying to get at. Not quite literally Trent Richardson, but to your point is that, like, we do get a lot of setups with more heavy tight end usage along the offensive line. I think we get a, just a lot more reliance of, I mean, heck, the other thing, too, that I look at, look at the amount of bigger backs that have emerged in college football. Like that to me is also a really interesting thing to, to pay attention to. I look at this year's draft class and there's like a number of guys that come to mind that are 215 plus. I look at Bijan, who was the top top guy in the draft class. He's a bigger back. He's 215 pounds, 220 or so pounds. There is now an emphasis and a reliance, I believe, on maybe I don't want to say old school football, you know, not old school running the ball, because I think we've evolved past that. But there are there's a bit of a throwback to what was successful in the early 2000s, which is the first thing that popped in my head is like Arkansas when you know what they had with Darren McFadden. Oh like the, yeah, the way that they ran the football the other that two immediately backs? popped in my Can head. Can you name the other two backs that were in that backfield with Pey Darren McFadden? Peyton Hillis, and then who was the third one? I'm not telling you. You got to guess, dude. I was like six years old. I'm not gonna remember. I will. The third I will one. give you a hint. He got drafted by the Dallas Cowboys. Demarco. No, 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 not the Marco. No, Murray. Uh, Felix, Jones. Felix Jones. Felix huh? Jones. Felix uh, Jones. Well, well, look. I mean, I mean, the charity. I mean, you. They I cheat. didn't see that. I didn't see that. They said it right when I said Felix Jones. You cheated. The, no, I didn't. I didn't okay. look down. Roll back the tape. <laughs> okay, hold on one second, because I didn't write this down. I ran out of paper. I want to show you something else, right quick, if we have time, because we're about to talk about some Ohio State. Um, 
We're about to talk to some Ohio State with Chimdi. And I think yes. it's interesting, Joe. You know what? I went back and watched that game too. I know that uh, I know that Ohio State lost. Joe, I, I go back and I look at that game. Dude, they were running the ball at a high clip. I, again, I, I I would love for you to tell me of a high-profile game last year where the team that won didn't run the football at a higher either run or a yards per carry clip, or they did not just outright beat them up up in the trenches. Can you name one? Because what like I look at two, South like I look Carolina at run for against Tennessee. What's that now? South Carolina, what did they run for against Tennessee? I want to look at this up. Okay, well, you're going to have to look that up. Maybe I did not look at that game, and nor did I. I nor don't did know if I that's high profile, it. though. No, it's high profile. A top five team going down. I think that that's pretty high profile. I mean, you wouldn't uh, say that that's high profile? Because I think that it is. I don't know that. South Carolina only. Okay, I'm, I know that, like, I'm, I'm being only 153 yards rushing compared to the the 453 that they threw for. But again, to your point, I feel like every week, here's the better, better way to look at well, this. What, too, is, well, then what did Tennessee have? Uh, 152. So they still but, beat them in the running game. Like, so they're yes. still, they're still yeah. running the football at a high clip. So I would still get like, I would still give that to them. So I was right. just talking about that Ohio state and Georgia box score, right? Yes. Joe, here's another thing about Georgia, okay? And why that game, like, you could, like, how, like, so Ohio State loses 42-41, like, we remember that, okay? C.J. Yeah. Stroud was amazing, probably going to be the number one overall pick. Ohio State runs for 119 yards, 3.7 yards per carry, but Georgia runs for 135 at 5.2 yards per carry, right? And so mm -hmm. when you get to these scenarios in these situations, I just, can't, I, like, now I can't unsee it as – Chris, as Chris, as Chris H says now, I can't unsee it. I can't unsee it. But I think that he was talking about this as the charity stripe on YouTube says, Delone, Delion is a regional theater Harry Potter. Is this true? Uh, I have no acting skills, so no. The answer to that is no. I did. I um, see, I just know that Josh is literally at his, at his desk giggling like a five-year-old right now, like 50 feet from me, by the way. He he's still in the office. He is right there giggling like a child. <laughs> you you know you, you know who what Josh Fisher is? He's a poor man's Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, yeah, I could kind of see that. I mean, he's the Long Island version of Mark Wahlberg. If, oh, if he's he, from Long Island? Fisher? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know they got a really nice iced tea. It's a terrible joke. <laughs> let's not, I mean, let's I'm not a, hold Jimmy too long. I'm a father of two. I'm a father of two. Uh, I'm allowed to have really bad jokes. You know who's not going to have really bad jokes, though? Our next guest. Joe, you want to kind of give him a little bit of a, a, a – of a. I mean, it's an All-American. Right? Yes. It's not like the TV yes. show. Like, he actually went out there and won it all. I mean, like an All-American. Yeah, so host of Believe in Buckeyes with Bryant Browning. Jimmy Chequa, All-American defensive back, is now going to be joining us to talk a little bit about Ohio State. By the way, anyone who's an Ohio State fan that is checking out the show or the re-air, make sure you go check out Believe in Buckeyes. It's one of our, our, our best shows on the network. Very unique, though, that we've got two former Buckeyes on the show, and it's I, I always love watching and checking it out. I'm the one who does the video editing for it, so I, I always enjoy getting to check, at, check it out. But uh, we've got Jimmy joining us now. We're going to be talking a little bit of Buckeyes. So let's do this. Let's talk about our good friends over at Bet Online. We're back in 50 seconds. We got Chimney coming with us next.
Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way for you to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, events, with the first to market odds in lines. Find reviews for all the news for each league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, college sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information for live in-game betting props and futures. Head on over to Bet Online today and use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code Believe50. That's Believe50, B-L-E-A-V, 5-0 to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline.ag, BetOnline.ag. We're back. I know, I know. <laughs> I probably shouldn't be playing a Texas bit. But Chimney, I, I, first off, thank you for joining us. You're our first guest on the Rufino and Joe show, but we have we play that every time we come back out of a commercial break. But how are you doing tonight, man? I am honored to be the first guest on the show. I'm doing well. I'm doing pretty good. Well, I mean, you're an All-American on the field, and we're just hoping that you become an All-American on this show. That's what we're hoping today. <laughs> I, I believe I can get there, man. I believe I can. <laughs> All right, Chimney, Chim- really – Oh, go ahead. Go, oh, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead, Blake. I don't mean to. Cut. Well, I was going to say, though, Jim, they appreciate you coming on. And I, I caught that you were tweeting uh, a lot about the Ohio State Pro Day that went on today. And it was a uh, lot of stuff coming out of that going on with CJ Stroud, going on with Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, I know that we wanted to kind of dive into the expectations for 2023, but having you here and seeing how things kind of worked out for CJ Stroud, I, I, I got to ask, do you think that he's going to end up a Carolina Panther after after some of the stuff that we, we heard going on today? And, uh, at Ohio State, yeah, I, I think he will. I think, I think it comes down to the measurables um, between him and Bryce Young. I think he's just a bigger guy, the more prototypical quarterback, NFL quarterback. And I mean, I think he's a, a very accurate passer, guy, a guy who can make throws that I don't think many other college uh, quarterbacks can make. Um, you know, there's there's some negatives there. Um, you know, being able to take the yards running. I think Bryce Young can if you. You're splitting hairs between the two, I think, but I think at, at times Bryce Young is a little bit more um, better at working it, working the park pocket and finding mm-hmm. that that you know that player. Both very smart players, but I think he fits what the Panthers are looking for. Chimney, let me ask you this: because during the season, Joe and I were doing a Saturday morning show, we're breaking down all the games, and there was a, a statistic on C.J. Stroud in reference to. When Marvin Harrison was Jr. was in the game, not the Colts, Marvin Harrison. I mean, come on, guys. Good. But Marvin Harrison Jr. was in the game versus when he was out of the game. And it was a little alarming how bad his numbers dropped off. So let me ask you two questions, okay? Number one, do you think that that's a little bit of an overreach? Like if anybody loses a number one wide receiver, yeah, you would expect their numbers to drop, right? But then number two, let me ask you this. Ohio State, which, by the way, all of them are New Orleans Saints fans, are New Orleans Saints players. I mean, just ask me as a Saints right. fan. But do, is it alarming to you just a little bit that you – I know that Marvin Harrison is coming back, mm-hmm. but when he's out that it's been so far of a drop-off at that position, seeing like somebody like C.J. Stroud have struggles when, when Harrison's out? Alarming for Ohio State or alarming for C.J. Well, Stroud's projection? Well, I guess both. I, I guess both in a, in, in a scenario. Is it alarming for C.J. Stroud? I don't think it is because he'll be the number one overall pick. Right. But for a new quarterback, do you think that could be just a little bit alarming? 
I don't think so. I think um, Marvin Harrison is a special talent. What happens when you have such a special talent? This is the thing. It's like Ohio State has really good receivers, mm-hmm. great receivers. Emeka Boca, I think, is a is a um, he's going to be a highly touted guy going into the draft himself. But what happens when you have one guy who's so much better than everybody else? You you feature that guy. It doesn't matter who else we have on the team. We feature no that guy. No we doubt. took everything his way. And then when he goes out of the game, uh, you just the game plan is now shooken up. You know, guys, guys were were pre- prepared to to do one thing. Now somebody has to to replace him. So it becomes a little challenge. It becomes a little bit challenging to shift. I think if you had, because you know, you gotta think Ohio State had two guys out, right? Uh Jackson Smith and Jigba, who they pretty yeah. much didn't have the whole year. Um, and Marvin Harrison. These are two first round draft pick receivers. So I, I think it's really just being able to adjust after game planning and focusing on one guy to be kind of the 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 weight of the entire offense and then play everything off of him. And then you lose that guy. It's like losing LeBron during the game. And now you got you <laughs> now you have to kind of shift and adjust um in game. You you brought up Jackson Smith and Jigba who I, I really am intrigued by him as a as a draft prospect, but what's what gets hard for someone like him so we don't have any 2020 tape and having covered and paid attention to him. Like what, what do you think? Do you think that impacts how, when, where he might get drafted? By the way, he ran a fantastic 40 time, which is, yeah. which is a great number for him. But do you think that there might be some overanalyzation on the fact that he, he didn't play this season and some people might overlook him for guys that did play this year? See, this is, a, this is, a, this is the weird thing about um, scouts and analyzing players is sometimes too much film is a bad thing. I would say I was a guy coming out, a fifth-year senior, who had too much film, too many things for you to watch, too much stuff for you to say, you know what, he doesn't really – he's good here, but he doesn't have the, the the flexibility here. He's not getting out of breaks. And I on, honestly think him actually being out, yeah, it hurts in terms of, you know, they question whether his toughness here. They'll question, you know, whether or not we have enough film. But though he, he, he did enough to be intrigued. And now you have to compare him to the other guys. And you can only compare him with the film that he already has, right? Because you know he's a high-level player. So I, I think I think really it doesn't hurt him that much. I think what would have hurt him if he, if he came out and ran a 4-6-40, I think that would have hurt him. Mm, no doubt. No I doubt. I think he did, a, did enough to show that he had the speed. He has the speed. He runs his routes just better than all the other guys. He, he, he's a guy who there's nuance to his routes. That as a corner, you get used to routes. You get used to receivers running the same things over and over again. Then you go against guys like Cooper Cup. Mm. You go against guys like Wes Welker. You go against <laughs> guys like Chad Johnson. And they have this little nuance to their routes where it's like, man, I'm just not used to doing it. I'm not used to this. Like, just the way he turned his route. Uh, Antonio Brown was a guy. The way he did this is just not how everybody else does it. Right. They, 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 can, they can add that element and not lose ground. And I think uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba is that kind of guy. And I think the the, the the teams, it has to fit their system. I think they have to be looking for more of a slot type guy, but he is a player that's, that can be impactful at the next level. Well, if he falls to 29, you know the Saints will take him. And, Joe, to your point, it didn't hurt Jamar Chase not having 2020 film. That's all. That's well, that was during COVID time. I know, so they, I know, that's like I it's know, weird. It gets know, so weird. I know. I know. I know. I'm just joking. You know, know, like Chimney, I'm gonna get I'm gonna give you a question that I I I I can't let you walk out of here without knowing. Is Ryan Day really on the hot seat? Is this is this real? Like can we can you please put this to bed? Because Chimney, let me just tell you something. 
I've covered LSU as an example for a long time. You, I mean, we just talked about Chase as an example. Yeah. At 2019, legendary. You know, what, what it is what it is. If your down year is you going to the playoff, let me just tell you something, brother. Sign me up, okay? Is he really on the hot seat? He, he He's not on the hot seat. Okay, but, thank you. See, at, at Ohio State, though, the hot seat could get hot quick, though. So it's, it's one of those things where he's not really on the hot seat. But, you know, you have a bad year next year, you lose to Michigan, and then the seat gets hot really fast. So um, based on what he's he's able to accomplish, I know it's going to be another solid year. Um, now, Earl Bruce used to come talk to us. Earl Bruce, the uh, you know former Ohio State coach, he, he used to say, you lose to Michigan three times, you, you're, you're, you're done. So uh, <laughs> if, I, if I judge it by Earl Bruce's logic, then he may be on the hot seat. Uh, but no, not realistically. I think the challenge is who, who do you replace them with? I think that's always what you have to look at because Ohio State is also going to be very careful in who who who, they, who they would select as the next coach, right? Mm. Um, and Luke Fickle's there in Wisconsin. I think that would be the one guy that you would say, okay, yeah, this makes sense. But I, I wouldn't realistically say Ryan Day's on any type of hot seat right now. Do, do you think the, the Brian Hartline hire, do you think that that's – going to maybe help them out a little bit because everyone's talked about how Brian Hartline has been this big boost to the to the coaching staff and we've seen the results with the development of these receivers you're getting these five-star guys coming in and then immediately they're becoming NFL first round draft picks we don't see this level of progression happen this quickly now that he's the guy who's calling the plays apparently next season do you think that that is going to help this Ohio State team next year yeah I think it can um we have to we have to see if he's actually going to Ryan Day is actually going to let go of the play calling. Um that's that's TBD to me. That's to be determined. Mm-hmm. I think he's testing it out here in the spring. I think it would be helpful because I think Ohio State's biggest challenge um it's like there's there's a, there's a there's a lack of attention to detail that I feel like we had when we were there. But I feel like these teams are more talented than the teams. I mean, we had some talented, talented guys. James Lord Knight, Brian Hartline was on my team. Malcolm Jenkins. I mean, we had some guys. But shout out to old Malcolm. Huh, yeah, huh? Shout out to my man Malcolm. Sorry. Shout out to Malcolm. <laughs> shout out to Malcolm. <laughs> Malcolm told me that one time in a Saints preseason game on the sidelines, he goes, "Rafino, you need to lose some weight." So shout out to my <laughs> dude, Malcolm. He <laughs> never hold it. <laughs> Tendy, that man never holds his tongue. And he going to yeah. tell you with straight conviction. I'm just going to let yeah. you – I mean, you know that more than probably I do. That's Malcolm. That's Malcolm. <laughs> I know. <laughs> sure, sure. But I think Ryan Day does need to take a little bit more of a CEO approach to mm-hmm. be able to, to continuously identify with the, the the minor things that, you know, are, are, are getting past them week to week mm-hmm. that need to be addressed. But So I, I should have checked ahead of time and i uh, you said though that you overlapped with brian hartline you guys were there at the same time at one point I did, yes i played i played three years with hartline yep okay but, so do you was he just Jeff like the guard <laughs> that's what i was gonna ask what, what was it, <laughs> it was how hard to cover was he to guard like like how was he as a receiver i should say you guard him in practice and stuff like that hartline was a good hartline was a very you see the development of his guys Hardline was a very technical uh, receiver. So he he was – in college, he wasn't – to me, he wasn't that hard to guard in college. But I played against him <laughs> in the NFL. Now, I was hurt when I played against him. But I, I, did, not, I did not do great against him in the NFL. <laughs> I, was, I remember I was, I was hurt. My knee was swollen, and, I you know, I was battling injuries. But 
I remember walking to the sideline thinking, man, is this the same guy from college? Because <laughs> this is a lot tougher than what it used to be. But uh, yeah, he was a pretty, he was a pretty good receiver. Chimney, I'm, along those lines, so Harlan is going to be the next offensive coordinator, obviously, for the Ohio State University. What do they need to do finally to take over Michigan? Is it an offensive issue or is it a defensive issue? Because we're, we were just talking before the break. Okay, so example, we were talking to Alabama and how the three toughest games that they had last year, opponents ran the ball on them for 187 yards per average, okay? Yeah. Then you look at, like, the Michigan game. They have 235 yards on the ground, massive second half. What do you think that they need to do to get to overtake that hump against Michigan this upcoming season? Yeah, definitely defense. It's defense, and it's, you know, it's it's a – I say this, the lack of attention to detail, but there's, there's just things defensively that they're not consistently great at. Um, and it's, it's things that don't necessarily take a bunch of talent. It's just the ability to um, understand situational football, understand how defense offenses are attacking you, and understand where you're supposed to be and where your teammates are supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, they've, cha- they've they've been challenged with that the last few years. They got better this past year, but in the secondary, I didn't I didn't think they they did did great. And then in their Michigan game, it kind of all fell apart. Um, and I think part of it is new defensive coordinator, new rules. I think they'll, they'll be in that again this spring and then, you know, have a, another camp. But I also think, you know, Ryan Day could help that by taking more of a, a CEO type role and approach to be able to continuously identify, OK, we're this is what we're not doing good. Even though we're beating these teams by 50 points, mm. we're missing this thing like this thing that can hurt us when we play against a Michigan, when we play against a Georgia or whomever in the playoffs. And that's what I think they're missing. Ahead, Jimmy, the, the big question that we've got right now, I feel like with Ohio State that everyone's brought up, separate from the Michigan situation, is what's going on at the quarterback position. You know, C.J. Stroud's about to be the first overall pick, which we're, we're all – it's becoming even clearer by the day that he's going to be the guy, the first overall pick. But at the same time, you know, to transition and build off of the momentum from last year with all these receivers, you have yeah. to replace this supremely talented guy who was one of the best – in program history, I think it's going to be Kyle McCord. That's just my just assumption and who I think is the better guy of the two. But if, in your opinion, who do you think is, is the player that they should, should turn to uh, as their quarterback next season? Yeah, it's, it's super early to, to really make the judgment, but I think it's Kyle McCord's job to lose. I also, mm-hmm. if I was to make an, an early guess, I would say Devin Brown ends up being the, the, the starting quarterback. I oh, think, wow. Is it because of his legs, Chimdy? I think it's more than that. So from what I've seen, and I mean, I haven't seen enough. Right? I haven't seen much. <laughs> and it, and, it's, and it's, it's always hard to account for guys improving, right? So mm-hmm. you see a guy, you say, oh, he needs to work on this, and then he works on it. <laughs> and then, you know, when he comes out the next time, he may actually be better at that, but um, Devin Brown to me has um, kind of this the the, the qu- he's a quicker at diagnosing what is uh, what he's seeing and then making the decision. So whether it's to run, um, you know, throw the ball to curl, throw the ball to fight. I feel like he goes through his progressions a little bit more, um, a little bit quicker, and it's just a he's just a, it feels like he just has a, a faster clock in terms of uh, in a fat in a better feel. Um, in their pocket than um, what I've seen from Kyle McCord. Um, and that's that's based on very, very limited in high school film and whatever Devin Brown. Mm-hmm. Devin Brown hasn't really stepped on the field um, in college. So, you know, what he's done in, in, in um, 
in the spring last year and what he's done so far. Tenny, a couple more for you, and we'll get you out of here. Thank you so much for being our guest. Um, Joe, do you want to – I'll let you take the last one because I know what you want to ask about the uh, barbecue, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah but I'll, I'll let you – Tenny, I want to ask you, <laughs> were you on that 2007 Ohio State team? I was, yep. Can you give me – all right, so i got two questions for you. Number one, what was your favorite memory at Ohio State? And then number two, that 2007 National Championship game versus LSU in the Dome. It, like, what do you remember from that game specifically? So, I'll start Other off – Other than the loss. And, look, I'm not trying – you know, I, I just – I'm fascinated by guys – like, so, for example, okay, like y'all went up early and I'm like, oh, crap, here we go, LSU yeah. again. So, just like both of those, what your favorite memory in that 2007 – National so I, I so the, the 2007 the 2007 national championship was interesting because I grew up in Louisiana. I, yeah, I too, you did, baby. Yeah, I too you was did. a Saints fan growing up. I um I moved into moving to Florida when I was in ninth grade and went to Ohio State. Um, but I was an LSU fan growing up. You know, I was playing in the Superdome. I was so you know pumped up. It was my fresher freshman year. I was starting at corner, um, and the, they had really good receivers. They had really good receivers. Um, they hadn't thrown the ball a lot to the tight ends that year at all. So it, it was, it was just speed against you know it was the you know we were getting we were getting knocked. Big Ten was slow, um, so they kind of built it into our heads that the, the LSU is like fast. And we had this period during the during the week practicing where it was like SEC speed period or something. We had to run, and I hated it. Because I was, I was like, man, listen, first of all, I grew up in Louisiana. I was always the fastest kid. Like, like none of these guys are faster than me. I know I know half the team. I, I played against them growing up. Like, I've been beating these guys in track my entire life. Um, but when we got to the game, we focused so much on those, those receivers. And they beat us throwing the ball to these tight ends who were running wide yep. open. Mm-hmm. The entire game. We couldn't find them. They ran on doing the unbalance. And so it was one of those games where it was kind of a lesson. It was um, – you know, be who you are and prepare and, and under, you know, know what you're good at, be who you are, prepare. And if you do that, what got you there is what's going to end up getting you to getting you to win. So that's why I remember from that game is that I felt like our coaches got learned the lesson that game. Right. Tim, the um, interesting fact outside of the 2011 LSU and Alabama game, the national championship game, the second game national championship game that had more nfl players on it was that 2007 national championship game between lsu and ohio state mm-hmm. out of out of uh, i think 161 scholarship players more than two-thirds of that team on both sides went to the nfl how crazy is that that's, that's crazy that's an nfl game if you really want to think that's about crazy. it and the, oh, go ahead i'm sorry other thing about that game was i think it was glenn dorsey yep I saw him destroy offensive linemen so many times. I was like, oh my God, who is this? Like, who is this guy, man? Like number uh, three overall pick. Day. That's who, you know. He, he he'd take like two plays where he just he kind of you know he did what he needed to do. The third down to come, he slapped the guy on the side of the head. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, my favorite memory though, I would say um 2010, we went to the Rose Bowl out in California against Oregon. We had we had lost to Florida, my red when I red show, we lost the other shoe in national championship. Then we lost to Texas in the Fiesta Bowl. So this year, um, nobody was giving us giving us a chance against Oregon. We got the win, win the Rose Bowl. Terrell Pryor was a quarterback. It was it was a special moment for us, you know. Um, we had a good night that night in Cali. So that was that was that would be one of my my, my greatest memories.
All right, Joe, I know you want to ask about the barbecue. Go ahead. So I'm the king of asking the the irrelevant, not irrelevant questions, but the (laughs) random questions is I I noticed in your bio on Twitter, the last line you have in there is pit barbecue grill owner. And I I can't not ask, like, what what is that referencing? So do you own a, a barbecue restaurant? Is that what that is? Yes, yes. Me, Brian, Brian, who also hosts a show with me and um, a couple of a couple other friends. We own a barbecue restaurant, multiple barbecue restaurants, um, the Pit Barbecue in Columbus, Ohio. Yep. What are they called? Plug it, plug it, share it. The Pit Barbecue Grill. You know, okay, the Pit Barbecue Grill. What's what's the address? The address. What's the address? I mean, we got a we got so we're in um we're in a few (laughs) different uh, food halls. Um, Okay. The Bridgeport Market. Um, that's one. Uh, we'll be in the Bubbly Food Hall in New Albany. That's another one. Um, and we, I mean, every food hall that that, that uh, opens up, we're pretty much going to be in those moving forward. So food halls are, are blowing up across uh, Columbus. Um, so yeah, pit barbecue grill, get you a Polish boy, Polish boy, um, sausage, fries, sauce, Ooh, Polish grill, sausage. You're making me hungry right now, man. Pork, <laughs> fries, Everybody knows um, the rules. Pit sauce. <laughs> Um, coleslaw so yeah not, not to hold you too long what what inspired that though because i think that's i think that's so first of all i love barbecue uh, i'm from new jersey i live in in los angeles now so like i don't i can't get good barbecue so yeah, yeah, yeah. getting to hear about barbecue just like it, it frustrates me a little bit because i want <laughs> I, I miss it but uh, to <laughs> i honestly i might need to man i might need to take you up on that but like what inspired the the venture though because i think that's so cool that you guys are doing that yeah it was just a couple of friends i think um I was still in the NFL at that time, playing for the Dolphins. Uh, Brian Brian had finished up his thing in the NFL, and we had some, you know, we had some money to invest, and we were like, you know, let's franchise a restaurant. Um, and we didn't find a franchise that really fit what, fit what we liked, right? We were mm-hmm. like, this is just none of these actually fit. So let's do barbecue. Um, let's let's get some recipes, pull some recipes together from our family members, um, mm. and you know, let's what we don't have, let's create a sauce our own like special sauce recipe we did that and it was good you know like so we're we got the recipes from our family members we got the good sauce we might as well go through with this so we op- opened up a restaurant and it, it kind of caught fire in columbus so we That's opened awesome. up another one <laughs> did, you, uh, did you ever see lincoln riley trying to uh slow roast a brisket i have not seen it okay was when it- you get off this show go and look up type in lincoln riley brisket and the appall the the appalled oh, feeling so that bad. you're gonna have, this man don't know what the hell he's doing. He can call a great offense, sure. Yeah, doing a brisket outside, that man is pure <laughs> ass. Okay, that man doesn't know what he's doing. And the sad thing, Chimdy, he's from Texas. He should know how to do a brisket. You know what <laughs> oh, I mean? Man. He, so, he was anyway. spending his time. He spent all his time studying the uh, offense. <laughs> well, he needs to study that. better because Tulane's coming for that butt. All right. <laughs> Jimmy Jack, what was our guest, buddy? We'll have you on multiple times. Love to have you on during the season, especially as the season gets closer. We want to bring you out on again. Thank you so much for being our guest. Yeah, I would love to be back. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank Thanks you. Chimney. All right. That is Chimney Checkwell, the former Ohio State All-American. What a great first uh, guest. Yeah, and I, I know he just hopped off, but I knew coming into this that we've got a lot of really great, talented college football belief hosts. I wanted to give Chimney the opportunity. He joined at the very end of the season because I just I, I feel like not not enough people know who he is and that he's a or not so much to know who he is, but but that he's people, doing a podcast. Yeah, stuff like yeah that. that he's doing a podcast and it's a really good Ohio State podcast. I think that 
there's just a lot of a noise out there around the Ohio State program, and to hear it from him and Brian is is awesome. Like it's not like with Jason Campbell, who does the, the Auburn show, who, who we're going to have on eventually, um, that he's he's the the color analyst for the radio broadcast. So right. everybody knows who he is in the media. I'd love for Chimney to get more opportunities. I think that was it was awesome to hear from the barbecue stuff. Was really cool too to, to hear that. I feel like you're malnourished in in LA. A little bit right now because I'm it's it's cutting season, Blake. But um, for no, there's what? not a lot of spring break. No, it's just for for oh, the summer. Yeah. I want to look good. You know, it's uh, you, you're well, <laughs> buddy. It, it happened, uh, all right, all right. So we will see you again. Uh, we don't know. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe Saturday. But our schedules are are being stupid. So all right, we will see y'all. Great episode. Great show. Great episode though. All right. Awesome, fantastic. We'll see you guys again soon. We'll let you know when we'll be back. Until then, y'all have a good night. Oh, oh, AYS too. AYS next. So y'all have a good night. Peace out, Girl Scouts.